Good morning again. So I hope that you were able to join us uh, last night at our homecoming barbecue. Uh, We had just a wonderful experience of community last night. Uh, I grabbed just three pictures from the evening I wanted to to share here at the beginning. Uh, This was our our trustees and friends of the trustees and uh, cooking food. You wondered who made the pork chops. Now you have your answer. Uh, Caleb did a great job. And then uh, I loved this picture so much. I lo- isn't, isn't that perfect? The bounce house is obviously a big part of uh, the fun that happens after the meal and the fellowship time. And then another picture that brought uh, me great joy. <laughs> this was, I believe, immediately after the kick in the jaw we heard about a few moments ago. That is Ryan Schrock with our pastor, Ben Henderson. I believe Ben entered the bounce house several moments before Ryan did. Not exactly sure how that worked out, but uh, uh, then uh, that was the result of it. And obviously what there aren't pictures of, and, and I think that it's good that I, no one thought to take them, uh, was, you can go ahead, there we go, <laughs> was the, just the fellowship time that happened around food yesterday. Usually I think to take pictures of those things, but I was just kind of caught up. And it was just wonderful to see a, a packed room, um, lots of people filling up tables, sitting together, talking with each other, visiting, fellowship, community. I think it was a really, really good night. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is community. You've heard us say it a few times now, that Calvary is a community of God's people. You know what? I wonder, actually. We're going to stop there. How many can say it with me? You ready? If you know it, say it with me. I hope somebody does, or this is going to be real bad. Here we go. Calvary is a community of of God's people being formed by the gospel of Christ to love and serve our community. What's funny is every time I say this to the body, I swear I switch that word family and community. I don't know why. I know it. I swear I do. Calvary is a family of God's people. We're a community, and that's what we want to talk about today. So we're going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. I want to encourage you to go ahead and open your Bibles and go there. And while you're on your way, I want to give you some background on the letter to the Philippians. The church in Philippi was founded by the Apostle Paul in about 50 AD. He had been traveling, evangelizing, sharing the gospel, setting up churches, but then his way was blocked. The, intent, the place he intended to go, he was not allowed to go. And we don't have any explanation of that other than that the Spirit of God would not let him. And then one night, he has vision. And a person from the area around Philippi appears to Paul in his vision and asks for help. So the Apostle Paul takes this as a sign from the Spirit, and he goes and he shares the gospel there. And it's really an interesting thing. When he gets to Philippi, there's, there's not a synagogue already there. It says he goes looking for one and he doesn't find one. And what that means is that there were not 10 devoted Jewish men. Because if there were 10 devoted Jewish men in one community, then they had a synagogue. But he did find some women that were praying. And so he shares with them the gospel. One of them becomes a Christian. And Paul goes around sharing the gospel with the people of Philippi. And he has a tough time of it. 
At one point, he, he exercises a demon from someone, and, and the people don't like it. And so there's persecution. He's thrown in prison. And this persecution, this difficult treatment of Christians in Philippi continues even after Paul leaves. The church was small, but growing, struggling against a community that did not accept them. And then a few years later, Paul hears about divisions that have begun in the church in Philippi. And so he writes them this letter. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul, their pastor, is they're struggling with division. And so he writes them a letter that is above all about unity, about Jesus, and about being a community that shines. So what I want to do is I want to take this idea of shining brightly from our passage today, and I want to look at it through the lens of our vision statement. You're going to actually see it's going to say a community of God's people because I just, uh, I apparently don't know the vision statement as well as I thought I did. I apologize for that. It's a family of God's people. So Paul writes them this letter. And we tend to, we tend to read it as a letter that's meant for us as well. And we should. We should read Paul's letter as though it's written also for us. There's so much in it that applies to us today, but there's also something really big that we can easily miss. Most languages have a word that English does not have, and this is surprising because English is a pretty complex language. It's pretty flexible, and it has a word for almost everything. But most other languages have this word. Spanish has it, French has it, Greek has it, Hebrew has it, Latin has it. It's a word for what we call the second person plural. Right? So, second person singular is you. If I'm speaking to you, to one individual, but if I'm speaking to you and you and you, we don't have one word that sums that up. Now, in different parts of the country, we have come up with, with alternatives. If you're in the South, you'll hear the word y'all. Right? If you go to the East Coast, you might hear yous. If you go to the Smokies, I found this out by looking this up. I've never heard this. I don't think Ewans. Has anyone ever heard someone say Ewans to refer to a group of people? Now, we, we don't have a word like that officially in the language for us to use in our Bible translation. And that really is a shame. Because what will happen is we'll read a letter like the letter to the Philippians and we'll read it as though Paul is writing to me, the individual. But eight times in our passage this morning, you or your is there. And every single time, it's plural. It should be y'all. And so what that means is, Paul is, is, is writing things that, of course, we as individuals need to take on. We need to hear. He's writing about changes we need to make, ways we need to let the Spirit work in and through us as individuals, but also we as a community. So when he says, for example, that we need to shine brightly, of course he means that for each and every one of us. We need to be the light of the world. We need to let the Holy Spirit use us in a way that shines to the people around us. But he's also saying, if each of us are individual lights, what he wants to happen is for Calvary to be a place where those lights come together and shine even brighter. And that difference, that distinction is important. 
for example, one of the things he tells us is to obey. And it's one thing to have a willingness, a commitment to listen to the Spirit and be willing to obey privately. Whenever I read something in Scripture or hear from the Lord, I'm willing. But a bunch of us coming together, seeking His will together, and obeying together is harder. And it's better. And so we want to hear from Paul on both of these levels today as he tells us what it's like for a church to shine. So, a community that shines, what does that look like? First and foremost, that community is open to the work of the Spirit. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act. A community that shines is a community that's open to the movement and work of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's easy for us to convince ourselves that all we have to do is try really, really hard. And we can live the kind of life that God calls us to. If we just devote ourselves by our own power and will and effort, we can be made into the image and likeness of Jesus. But that is simply not the case. Allowing the Spirit to work means being willing to get out of the way, to take that part of ourselves that wants to have things our way, to listen to Him and to follow. What does that look like for a body to do? Well, that's a good question. We had an opportunity to try this recently, and I think that we've done well. We found out a while ago that another church from FEC was opening up in the area, and that was a surprise to us. And I think a lot of us had the same emotional reaction when we heard that Great Oaks was opening a church in Washington. We were a little bothered that, that we didn't know about it beforehand. We wondered, what are they saying? Are they saying that we are somehow not doing what we're supposed to be doing? And then, when we received the news, we've had the chance to connect with them, and we have. We had Pastor Jesse come and preach here. I think that was a good thing. Because, you see, we can oppose what God is up to. Maybe it didn't start the way that we wished it would start. Maybe it didn't even start the way that the Spirit wanted it to start. But the church is coming. And so we have the opportunity. We can either make ourselves an obstacle to what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish through Great Oaks, or we can make ourselves people who will get involved, who will join the team, who will get out of the way of the work, the Spirit, and join in. And we've had some opportunity to do that already. Uh, we may be able to have their trailer stay on our, in our parking lot for a while while they look for another place for it. We may be able to let them use our building a bit. And that, I think, is exciting. Not, not for Sunday mornings, but for their youth events in the middle of the week. That's exciting because it gives us this opportunity to see the Holy Spirit at work in our community and to say we can either join or we can be an obstacle. We can either go with the Spirit or we can quench it. And what Paul is telling us is to be a community that joins 
with the Spirit. In those moments when our own frustrations, the desire to put ourselves first, rise up and make it difficult. A community that as one is willing to say no. We're going to move ourselves out of the way and join in what the Spirit is doing. A family, a community, a church that does that is a church that shines. Let Calvary be known as a place that never quenches or stands in the way of the work of the Spirit. Another thing that we can do to shine, Paul says in verse 16, is to hold tight to the word. Verse 16 says this, you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. We've had uh, several opportunities and encouragements to be about, to, to pick up a habit of regular Bible reading in the last year or so. We've begun putting out those week, those uh, uh, monthly Bible readings, right? With five readings for every week. And we encourage you to, to stick with them and to, to do those together. And individually, you can see a life change when it makes a habit of setting aside time and diving into the Word, but there's something even better than that. When the church will join together and do this together. That's one of the great things about the Bible reading plan is we can do this together, be reading the same scriptures at the same time. They can enter the life of our church body that way. But also with the small groups that we're kicking off, in the Rooted 10-week program, there's five weekly devotional readings, each of them heavy with Scripture. And if you were to join a Rooted group, of course, and we said this last week, you could do five readings on the day of your meeting, right? Five devotions, one right after the other. You can do that, but you could also do something else. You could let your life be transformed by setting a regular time to engage with the Lord in His Word to give him a place to work in and transform you. And then to come together with a group and do that and experience that together. A community that shines is a community that holds tight to the word of the Lord. But if we want to be this church, this family, this community that shines... That will only happen if we are being transformed by the gospel. So the next part of our vision statement is being formed by the gospel of Christ. And Paul says a few things about that in here. In verse 14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. He says something a little bit earlier that, that puts an even harder point on it. In verse 12, he says, As you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. As you have always obeyed. You see, that word obedience is one that we don't like very much. It tends to hit us in our culture in a weird way. We tend to value our, our independence and our, our ability to do things the way we want to do them. And that word obedience, it just makes a, a feeling inside that, that doesn't quite fit with the direction our culture encourages us to go. Now, 
obedience is not rule following. That's not the same thing. Some people are naturally rule followers. You know those people. Maybe you are one of those people. They find out an expectation and it's just easy for them to meet it. That's a personality trait. Paul's not saying all of us need to become exactly like those people. You see, obedience is what happens when it's hard. When the calling is something you don't naturally want to do. When you have that that desire to rebel rise up within you, obedience is when you take that, put it aside, and follow. An example we've used before is the the wet paint do not touch sign on the wall. Some of you, and I will never understand you, see that and feel no urge to touch the wall. I would have no urge to touch the wall until I see the sign that tells me not to, and then immediately, immediately, I have to. And the excuse, I want to see if it's dry. Who cares? I just want to touch the wall because someone told me not to. How many of you can relate to that? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Obedience is when we see the sign, we want to to disobey, and we put that aside and follow. So what does that look like for us? Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. First, I want to tell you what he's not saying. This is what Paul is not saying. He's not saying that arguing is always bad. An argument is actually a very good and healthy thing if it's done well. It always strikes me as odd when I meet a couple, especially a a new couple, that says they don't argue. There's a couple of reasons for that. A couple of reasons a couple might not argue. One of them might be that they are exactly on the same page. They They work together perfectly well, and there's just no reason for argument. And if you're sitting in here in a couple that doesn't argue, that may very well be you. But that's not usually why they don't argue. Usually they don't argue because one or both of them are very, very afraid of the pain that comes from an argument. And so they avoid it. They surrender. They just accept the other person's way. And that will work for a little bit. But frustrations, resentments start to build up over time. The best way for for a couple to work things out is to have the arguments. Where do you want to go to eat? I want to go here. Well, I want to go here. Let's figure out which one we should go to. How do we want to raise a child? How many do we want to have? Where do we want to live? Where do we want to go to church? Whatever the argument is, if you'll actually have it out in the midst of the argument, you understand one another better. You figure each other out, and you can grow. Because here's the thing. Both people in that couple are a gift in that couple. Both of them see things in some ways clearer than the other. Both of them are going to be right sometimes. And if you will share and have the argument, and you do it well, when you come out of it, you'll be better off than you were before. There's no bitterness or anger, or resentment left over. Now, as a body, as a church, as a family, we work in largely the same way. You are a gift to us here at Calvary. There are going to be times that you see things clearly that nobody else sees in the same way. 
And if you just don't speak up, you've robbed us of something. You've robbed us of the ability to hear from you and perhaps grow. Paul's not saying don't argue. If you have have something that you need to tell us, if you have something that you object to, come to us, let us know. But here's what Paul is saying. Do not adopt a heart stance of argumentativeness. And here's what I mean. I think of a a Southside Christian church, the church I was at before, when they were getting ready to open up a second location. There was a lot of debate. Should we do this or should we not? It was going to be an expense when they had to buy the building. They were going to have to hire more staff. There was just a lot of, of figuring out to do. And there was someone named Kathy Ransom who came to every single one of the deacon meetings and objected to the second campus. I mean, every single time she came and she objected to us having the second campus. She had things to tell us. She had PowerPoints made. She had Bible verses ready. She did not think we should open the second campus. And we would always hear from her and we would talk about it. We would figure out if, we, if, if, if what she was saying was something we should heed And in the end, the the body decided to open the second campus. And I remember being in the meeting after that. I remember sitting there, and here comes Kathy. And we all thought, oh, no. The decision's done. This is going to be awful. She's just angry. We were sure of it. And Kathy walked in, and what she said during her time, as we're all defensive and ready for an argument, she said, I know we're going to have to raise capital for this. I'd like to lead the capital campaign, and here are my ideas. In other words, she said, I gave my peace. You heard me. We went in a different direction, and now I want to be on board. Paul's not saying, don't speak up. But he is saying, when the body, when the family, when the community moves in a different direction, you let the argument go. And that's so very hard to do. It's much easier to just be quiet when you have an opinion. But to give an opinion, have people decide some other way, and stay on board, that requires the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to work in you and grow in you so that you can become a person whose voice is heard So that Calvary benefits from what he's telling you, what he's showing you, how he's gifted you. And at the same time, stay part of the community and stay involved. Paul says, have the arguments, but do not adopt a heart position of argumentativeness. And grumbling is the same way. You know what grumbling is, right? Grumbling is when a person goes along, but they're just not very happy about it, and they say the things under their breath. They move slowly. They, they very obviously don't want to be there. And then they might say, I don't know what you're complaining about. I showed up. I know that when I would do chores as a young person at home, often I would do what my parents would tell me to do. I would just do it with mumbling under my breath and slowly and with a terrible attitude. And I never understood why my parents were bothered by that. I'm sure every parent here has dealt with something like that before. That's grumbling. As a member of this body, you can be part of it. You can show up on Sunday mornings, you can come to the barbecues, you can go to Sunday school, and you can do the whole thing while grumbling. 
And if you do, you'll notice an effect around you. You'll notice that other people tend to take on the grumble. It spreads. And then after a while, there's a group of you, and the grumble gets louder, and then the grumble gets louder, and then this, this, this heart stance begins to make it harder and harder for you to only grumble. And eventually you want to oppose. What Paul is saying is let your objections be heard. And then be willing to let them go. And don't come with a grumble. But come joyfully as a part of the family. Paul tells us what the heart stance of each individual in a community that shines is like. They obey the Lord and they put on Christ likeness. In verse 15, he finishes Do everything without grumbling or arguing by saying, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. What he's saying is that the way you do this, you get out of the way of the Holy Spirit, and then you make your life surrounded by a rhythm of Christ-likeness. You fill your life with those things that fan the Spirit into flame in your heart and in your life. You do regular devotions. You come to church. You get involved, and you watch how the Spirit molds and changes you in the midst of it. And if a body, if a community will do this, you'll be amazed at the change that can happen. A change in our own hearts and a change in our community as well. He tells us to put on Christ-likeness and to do away with grumbling and with arguing. And the why. Verse 16. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. We are going somewhere. God is at work leading us somewhere. The day of Christ is the day of his return. And his people have been called to work and toil and labor and serve and love in the meantime. And what he calls us to do is to put on this Christ-likeness. To shine to the people around us. To draw them in. Keeping in mind that one day, one day he's going to return. And our time to shine to those that need it most will be over. It's important. So how do we shine? We do that by loving and serving our community. First, we shine to each other. We do that here on Sunday mornings. We do that during fellowship times. We'll do that during small groups. This is a church that shines to each other well. We love each other well. It is an incredible blessing to be part of a body where the people like each other so much. They stay around after church to talk. They come before church to talk. And during the greeting time, they all want to talk. It's wonderful. The fellowship that happens here is something I've never experienced anything else. This church shines as we love each other. But we're also called to shine to our community. 
Now, this is easy when times are easy. It's easy to love when, when it's easy to love, right? But when things get hard, that's when it's most important and that's when it's hardest to do. I don't know how many of you pay attention to the news, but it's hard to see a different kind of darkness showing up in more and more communities across our country. Issues of racism, of political violence, shootings, violence, and all forms. It's awful. You see, it's easy for us to shine when things are good. None of that has really come to Washington. But one day it might. Can we live and love and let the Spirit work in us in such a way that we're prepared to shine even on that day? Can we be people who practice forgiveness now so that when the day comes and there really is something hard to forgive we line up to do it? Can we be people who practice loving one another now so that when a difference between us and another person comes up, there just is no prejudice in our heart? Can we be people who look on those who think differently than we do with love in such a way now that as the culture around us gets angrier and angrier, we can be people of peace that shine with the love of Jesus? One thing I love about this church is that it is not mostly Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal. I love that there are so many of us in here that think differently on so many of these issues. That's a gift and it's rare. And we love one another. Can we do that even when the culture around us puts more and more pressure and tells us that we're not supposed to love we're supposed to hate. In those moments, can we shine? That's what Paul tells us to do. He tells us that you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you, you individually, you need to learn to let that Spirit work. You need to learn to let that Spirit move and change and transform you. But he says that's the easy part. The hard part is to do that together. So we call this Sunday after the homecoming barbecue, Vision Sunday. And the reason we do that is we want to talk about what kind of church we want to be. And here's the call that the Apostle Paul has for us today. He calls us to be a family of God's people, to love one another truly, to accept and support and encourage one another, to make a space and a home where everybody is able to come to hear the gospel and to experience the hospitality and love of Jesus Christ. And hear me, I think we do that well. And he calls us as a body to be transformed by the gospel of Christ to always be changing and growing, to get out of the way of the work of the Spirit and join in to obey even when it's hard. And hear me, I think that that's going very, very well and has been for a very long time. The work of the Lord is clear in this body. 
And then he calls us to shine by loving and serving our community. And what I think is so amazing is that this small church has had such a tremendous impact on missions, on the community of Washington, on the people around us. We give money and time, we volunteer, we support, we lift up those in need around us. This is a church where when a new person comes, they're always welcome and never pushed away. Sometimes I worry that you flood the visitors, right? Sometimes I worry that we're too welcoming, and these people are going to think, why are they all standing around me at the same time? It's a blessing. It's a great thing. This is a welcoming, loving, serving body. And what I want you to hear today is that as the Apostle Paul calls us to shine like stars brightly, that you are part of a family that shines. The calling and encouragement we have today is to shine ever brighter, to let the work of the Spirit transform our own heart, to join in in ever-increasing ways into the life of this family, and to watch how he uses us to transform the people and community around us. We're not perfect. This isn't a perfect church, and it never will be until the Lord comes back. But he is so clearly at work here. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you, thankful for blessings. We thank you for being part of a church that worships you, that follows you, that loves you. And we're thankful for being part of a church that you work in and through. And Lord, we ask as we go forward that you would convict us of those places where we need to change. Where repentance is needed, we pray repentance would come. And that we as individuals and a body together would follow you more closely than ever before. That we would let your Holy Spirit transform us and use us to transform others. God, you are amazing. You are wonderful and beautiful and perfect. We thank you that your love for us is unending and unconditional. And we ask to see you move in ever-increasing ways. In your son's holy and precious name, amen.